Welcome to the Before You Buy or Sell a Business podcast, where we help buyers and sellers learn more about the acquisition process, discuss recent transactions, and stay up to date on the latest news in the market. Here's your host, Jared Johnson. All right. Hey, Scott, how you doing? I'm doing great. How about yourself? I'm doing awesome. Thanks. I'm glad we can have you on the podcast today. Happy to be here. Cool. So we're going to talk about a business you bought, but first uh, let's go ahead and dive into your background. Maybe give us an idea of where you grew up, your career, your education, all that fun stuff. All right. So uh, I grew up up in Canada in Northern Ontario. So it's a little small town of 800 people in the middle of nowhere. Wow. Um, always wanted to get into business. Uh, I went to university. Uh, I had unfortunately, well, fortunately or unfortunately gotten my girlfriend pregnant in my last year of high school. So I uh, cut my university studies short. Uh, to go work full time, so got into the oil and gas industry. And uh, as a lot of people will be able to attest, once you get used to that money, it's hard to get out of it. Uh, so I've been doing that since two thousand one now. Okay. Uh, based out of Houston now, so we moved down in twenty eighteen. But uh, I did manage to finish my studies, so I uh, went back, got my bachelor of science in commerce, and then I uh, went back and got an MBA as well, just because it was something I wanted to do for myself, but. Uh, so yeah, I've got the one daughter, uh, never had another one after that. And then I got three grandkids as well, but, uh, remarried and we're living down in Houston. Now we moved down in 2018. Cool. Yeah. So glad you went back, finished it up. You know, not everybody gets to do that. Yeah. So. It was something I promised myself I'd do and I, I, I pulled it off. Awesome. Cool. So, uh, you know, with the oil and gas industry up there, um, I remember I, I used to meet quite a few people, um, when I was younger that they would kind of work for like four months or something and then take like two months off. I think that's why I'd run into them like in Vegas or something. They'd be out spending all the money they made. Was that basically what you were doing? When I first started, that's exactly what I was doing. We, we would work probably six months out of the year, uh, make decent money for the six months and then uh, get laid off technically for the other six months and collect unemployment from the government and spend the money that we'd saved. So wow. uh, that was the, probably the first three or four years. And then once I kind of moved up into the company, it, it became more of a regular thing. That makes sense. So, I mean, obviously along the way you kind of picked up different skills, um, you know, that you kind of probably didn't realize at that point, but you'd end up using I, later on. For... I, I definitely did. That was one thing I could say is I, I probably learned more in my working career than I did when I went back to school. I think when I went back to school, I kind of breezed through everything. I had already learned kind of everything in the real world. So I think there was an advantage there. Yeah. I think that's one of the things in the education system that I would like to see changed is um, having people especially in like the business school MBA programs. Um, I, I always find it a little odd that sometimes you'll have somebody that's got a doctorate in economics or whatever, but they never worked or ran a business or something like that. And so I, I argued quite a bit with the professors when, when I went through the program. And then finally, some of the uh, younger guys were like, hey, uh, we, we get it. Can you like leave them alone so we can get through this class? And that's kind of how it ended up. So it worked out though. So, so at what point um, did you kind of decide you wanted to buy a business? So we had talked about it for a little bit. We we had a horse boarding business when we first moved here, uh, but it was just something kind of on our property. Um, with the inflation and the price of hay and everything that went up, it was just hard to to be sustainable. So we were looking for something for my wife to do, essentially, is really what I wanted. She, she wanted something to keep her busy, bring some additional income. So uh, we started looking at different businesses to buy. And where did you go to look for them? Uh, she found it online. Uh, I want to say it was Buy, biz, sell, or... Biz, buy, sell. Biz, buy, sell, yeah. Okay. Uh, and then uh, she reached out initially to uh, the broker there, and then I got involved after that. Okay. So what were the things that kind of a- attracted her or, or you to that listing specifically? 
Um, it was so she's always been into eating healthy, uh, things of that nature as well. So it it was a meat market, obviously. So there there was kind of interest there. And then with us having the land, it was possibly something that we could expand on down the road. So that was a key point. And then once we seen the numbers, uh, the cash flow was kind of the big selling point. Okay. So yeah, maybe give us an overview of what the actual business was that you ended up making an offer on. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, name of the business is Ainsworth Meats. Uh, we kept the same name. Uh, it's meat market located Magnolia, Texas here. Um, so it was numbers look good. Initially, uh, we went through everything She's seen some areas that we could probably use to grow, whether that be online sales, um, more organic meats, things of that nature. Um, and that was kind of the the key. So from there, we, we just dove into it, went through due diligence, made the offer, uh, and then worked with you guys to get everything finalized. Yeah, so uh, you know, people that probably aren't aware of Magnolia, how big of a city is that? So Magnolia is actually a pretty small town, but it's just right on the border of the woodlands in Texas. Okay. So just the surrounding area, there's a few hundred thousand people around. So it's a decent sized market, uh, especially where it's located. Yeah, that area has grown quite a bit, huh? It's uh, <clears throat> all those Californians moving into Texas. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we we live a little further north in Conroe, so we're about mm-hmm. thirty five minutes away from the store. But uh, that whole area is just booming. A, a friend of mine grew up in the woodlands area, and he told me that. Back in the seventies and eighties, there was nothing there. Now it's it's back to back to back. There's a concrete jungle. Houston continued essentially. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, maybe one day it'll all just connect between Dallas, Austin, and Houston. It's <laughs> probably going to. Yeah, it'll be a while, but it, it'll happen eventually. So yeah, I remember when you uh, reached out to me. I saw Conroe, and I just immediately thought of Parker McCollum. <laughs> and you're like, yeah, he's a legend around here. So yeah. I mean, you can't help if you if you listen to any of his music. He talks about it in every fourth song probably so yeah he's a legend around there and i actually i I, his godfather i used to work with and he he works in the same industry as me so i actually met the young man when uh before he got famous oh cool yeah his uh i went to a show in in dallas one time and his mom um uh, his brother was playing with him that day and his uh, mom stood next to us and talked to us the whole time super nice family so that's always cool. cool yeah yeah it worked out pretty well so all right, so we'll get back to the topic. Sorry about that. Oh, so you uh, once you you saw the business, do you remember what it was listed for? Uh, not off the top of my head. I want to say it was just under six hundred thousand. I believe. Okay, and then so when you were evaluating the listing and trying to make a decision if you wanted to move forward, where what were some of the main things? I know you talked about like potential, obviously. Was there anything else that you kind of looked at when you decided to to make the offer at a certain dollar amount? Uh, so we had talked to the broker. Obviously, you'd like always like to get it cheaper, but uh, they, they were pretty well set. I did some research on the multipliers for kind of grocery stores and meat markets in the area. It seemed to jive with, it was on the high side, but the, it seemed to jive with cash flow. So once we established that the cash flow was legit, then I was okay with the price. Okay. And then, um, you know, kind of looking back at that process, uh, is there any advice or anything that you would have maybe done differently? No, I think probably um, I spent quite a bit of time diving through the financials, but I, I, I could see that that's something somebody could rush. Uh, that'd be my advice is just spend the time looking at it, uh, making sure that what's been backed out of the financials in terms of establishing cash flow is correct and uh, everything's legitimate. Yeah, I think a lot of that comes with uh, working with a good listing broker as well. Um, you know, I talk about it all the time, but you'll see quite a few listings, I'm sure, as you went through Biz by Sell, where 
once you actually get the tax returns or financials, they don't line up with the ad backs or they're trying to add back a, a bunch of crazy things that that just aren't working. So once you kind of go back and and recalculate the value of the business, oftentimes it'll come down. And so you're you're trying to find a way to to get all of that to jive. And sometimes you can't get the seller on board with it. But it sounded like this one, you, you know, you didn't have a problem with that, which is great. No, I think the broker was a big a big plus on this one. He helped quite a bit. Uh, he was involved from the start, so uh, we, we were happy to use him. Yeah, Jason does a good job. I think having a CPA background has really helped him as well. So uh, I bet. Yeah. So, all right. So I think if I recall correctly, the way that you uh, had set it up when, when it came into us for the lending was uh, the purchase price was 561000 Uh We included 50000 in working capital. And then you did a split um, with the required 10% down payment. The seller carried about 4%, and then you did uh, 6% for down payment. Correct. So that worked and met all the guidelines. So uh, we sent an underwriting. I um, actually went back and kind of read through my emails and information, and we didn't really have too many questions or, or push back too much, which, which is usually a great sign um, that, you know, not only are, are you and your, your wife, you know, qualified, but the business looked good. So that's always kind of a good sign. Um, you know, I mean, going through that process, uh, I, one thing I would say that I really appreciated about you was you were very quick in providing what's needed. Um, it it really shows that you know what you're doing. Um, you know, we were kind of talking before the show about uh, sometimes there's some frustrations with uh, trying to get people to understand how to fill out an application form. And I usually kind of laugh because I'm like, you want $4 million? <laughs> like, come on, you know? So, um, you know, it's not it, it's not always super easy, but we appreciated how quick you got everything in. So, um, you know, was there anything during the underwriting process or I guess from then your due diligence um, that you maybe learned or would have done differently? No, I don't think so. I think uh, due diligence had everything uh, that we needed. Uh, as far as the underwriting, that's I'm OCD. So once something comes across my desk, my goal is always to get it out as quick as possible. So uh, I'm always been a firm believer in that in both my personal and professional life. So, um, but as far as due diligence, the, they were really good about getting us what we needed. I think the only thing that we kind of struggled a little bit on getting was all the proper licensing info and stuff. But once we got that, then it was it was pretty smooth from there. Yeah, and if I recall correctly, they had acquired the business as well about eighteen months before. Yeah, they didn't they didn't right. have it very long. So the original owner uh, had sold it to them. Um, he was looking to kind of get out. His consulting business was taking off, so uh, he was looking to sell, and um, I, that's where we jumped on it. Okay, yeah, that's what I remember because I I think I'd actually looked at it before, but the original owner, I think the financials weren't as as clean, and so they ended up the way they acquired it, I think they just did seller financing or they had put a large amount down because they, they weren't able to get the financing. So, you know, again, it's kind of, you know, when you're a seller, if you're looking to sell, make sure you clean up your financials a year and a half, two years before it, at minimum, you know, really should have kind of a, a longer plan or you get a lot of people, their kind of advice for anybody buying a business is always be thinking about the exit. Um, that way you don't do any funny business and then have to try to correct it later. So, um, you know, being able to, to go in and acquire it even after they had it for 18 months, they must've done a good job cleaning it up. Yeah, they did. Okay. And that's something I've been talking to the wife already. We just bought it and it's the same thing. I'm like, just make sure as far as the accounting side and the, the finances, you're, you're doing it this way, this way, and this way. So that if we do sell and she's like, well, we just bought it. When are we going to sell? I'm like, I don't know. But if we do, we <laughs> want to make sure everything's in line because a lot of the systems that they used. They work for accounting purposes, but a lot of them are just still handwritten on paper and stuff like that. So, mm. 
we're just trying to streamline it. We're changing. That's one of the first things we did is we're changing the POS system because they were still using an old school cash register. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah, it was as far as trying to track any inventory or track any trends or anything. It was almost impossible. So uh, that was one of the first decisions I made. I'm like, we're going to change this. <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah. So, all right. Well, I mean, got got the loan approved. Uh, wasn't too difficult for us. Uh, moved you on to closing. Um, maybe talk about a little about that process, uh, you know, going through um, collecting the closing items and stuff. Again, you were great at it, but um, if there's anything you could provide, maybe some advice for some people. It was pretty easy. You guys make it real simple. Uh, the closer that we dealt with uh, kind of gave us a list of what they were looking for and mm-hmm. just worked through the list, answered any questions. Uh, it's just one of those things. My advice is just don't let it fall in the back burner, right? A lot of times it's you think you got time, you got time, but unexpected things come up so the quicker you can get that information out to you guys the the smoother it'll be and we, we proved that we were initially expecting to close on the 28th of october and we ended up closing on the 6th of october yeah i want to say from start to finish with you was uh, maybe 35 days or something like that total maybe 40 yeah that's um, about right from when we actually like first started talking it was it was pretty crazy because I, I i think when we look back i think i originally got introduced to you like the very, very end of August. So that's, you know, that's pretty crazy. It, it might it. even have been in September because I think we made the offer in early September. Okay. Or, no, it might have been the end of August because I, I was up in Canada visiting family. So I think you're right. Yeah, that's that's pretty, you know, lightning speed. So it, I get the question all the time, how quickly can you get this done or how long this will take? And I always say, well, there's a couple of factors that I can't control, right? Maybe the, the lease agreement, um, you know, back and forth on the purchase agreement, life insurance, all that kind of stuff. Um, sometimes I can't control, right? However, you can control how quickly you get everything to us. We'll move as quick as we can. Right. And, you know, it's funny. I feel like the people that ask me that are usually the ones that take the longest. Um, whereas with you, I remember going, wait, that that's already closing. Like awesome. You know? So yeah, again, if you, you stay on top of your stuff and you, and you know, you respond, you're, you're able to kind of move quickly through, then, you know, the answer is usually, yeah, we can get it done quicker. So yeah, we had talked to Jason and, uh, he had told us like, well, be aggressive. We'll shoot for an October 28th close. And I was like, okay, that seems like as long as you guys get us what we need in a timely fashion, that should be achievable as as quickly as we were getting everything. And then they was like, well, maybe we can move it up a little bit. And so he talked to the sellers and the when, and they were like, well, if we can close the beginning of October, that'd be better. Yeah. If I can make it happen, I'll make it happen. So yeah, uh, you guys were great to work with in that regards. Cool. Well, thank you. So uh, you know, obviously, once you, you kind of go through that process, um, you're ready to, to take over. Uh, maybe kind of walk me through what you did um, to transition from them handing it off to you. So we were fortunate. They stuck around as part of the purchase agreement for six weeks training. Uh, and Fanny's been the one that's been handling all the day-to-day. So uh, she she's the one down in the weeds. I'm just sitting in the background looking at the finances. But um, they they stayed with her in the store, kind of showed her how everything worked. Uh, we did hire one additional butcher just to kind of replace the the previous owner when he left, um, and that's working out well. We're actually looking at bringing on one more to get us through the holidays, and then we'll make the decision in the new year on how to structure that. But um, it was it was great. They they showed her how they did things, and then I kind of after about three weeks, I, I started just kind of coaching her on how I would prefer to do it in terms of the accounting side. So. At that point, they just kind of helped out in the store, helped her with ordering and stuff. But uh, she managed the day to day, so it's been great. Um, he, the previous owner called it managing chaos, <laughs> so it's been uh, getting the employees on 
on, on board with how we kind of want to do things has been a little bit of a challenge, but nothing we can't overcome. Yeah, it's always that fine line of trying to keep them happy. Um, you know, one thing I, I think I probably forgot to point out um, that really helped us is that you, you know, as as you mentioned before, you already have a career. Um, <clears throat> when we're looking at the the deal from an underwriting standpoint, as we're looking at the seller's financial information, if we're not needing to pull a salary out for you um, or or for Fanny, your wife, then um, it really helps us because we can look at it and say, okay, the cash flow that the seller is reporting will go right back to paying back the loan. You've got you know more than enough cash flow personally to cover all your personal expenses. So you know it, that that really helped us out. And then now it sounds like the partnership's kind of working where you're able to still run your job. Um, and you've got Fanny, you know, controlling the chaos. And yep, uh, that's that's been the goal. And it it has been it's been funny listening to her because <laughs> some guys, especially some of the the, the older gentlemen, uh, probably have a little bit of a hard time taking orders from a, a a young small woman like that. But she's uh she's pretty bossy and pretty forceful, so <laughs> she'll get there. Oh man, that's funny. Yeah, so it's always it's always interesting to hear kind of that transition period and what works and what doesn't. Um, yeah, I've seen some that are fantastic and some that just don't don't work out too well so kind of looking back at that transition period the the way you did things um is there anything that you would have done differently um i think she probably she didn't want to push back too much on kind of the accounting side she she went into it knowing how i wanted to do things so she kind of took some of the way they were doing it and probably spent more time on it than we really should have but other than that it, it was successful i think so when you when you came in and you're changing like the accounting inventory system and stuff is uh were, was there a lot of pushback from the employees? Uh yeah. yeah. Okay. That that's kind of been we we got that a lot. Well, that's not how we did it before and I'm like, well, <laughs> there's a reason that they sold. We're trying to maximize profitability here. This is important. This comes we're running a business. We're not here as employees, right? We're we're trying to do what's right for the for the company. So, yeah, it's a fine line of keeping them happy, but then also, you know, protecting yourself, making sure they're not stealing from you and all that good stuff. And then, you know, as you decide to grow and expand, or maybe if you want to acquire a competitor or something, you already have those systems in place, then it's so much easier. Right. And that's, that's something I've done even in my professional career, right? It's about establishing the systems and then growing from there. It makes it a lot easier to grow your business when the structure is there to do so. Yeah. It makes sense. So, and then, What's next? What do, what do you want to do next with the business? Uh, so next is probably going to be either at our place, uh, bring some animals. Uh, we've already been talking to some local slaughterhouses and stuff, so possibly start into getting some um, organic meat, essentially. Um, the, the margins are going to be great, right, if you're not buying from a prime cut seller. Mm-hmm. Um, and then either that or possibly buying a smaller property to keep the animals on closer to the store just because like I say we're 40 minutes away, 35, 40 minutes, depending on traffic, it'll be an hour. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's kind of the next step. And then we're also looking at once we do that, possibly getting in and growing into some food delivery, not necessarily just ordering the meat online, but packaging mm-hmm. meals, kind of like HelloFresh and stuff like that. Okay. Uh, start locally and then go from there. Yeah. Because that's, that's one thing we've noticed, and that was a big part of why we looked at the meat market is just what you're able to get at independent meat markets versus the grocery store in terms of quality of meat is it's bar none. So 
it was kind of a no-brainer for us. It's been great for my diet. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, you don't have to pay as much either for it, so it makes sense. Yeah, I'm still I'm I'm paying retail just because, but uh, it's uh, so the, the price isn't really changing, but the quality of the meat's been a lot better. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, I didn't think about the. It's kind of interesting if you're able to actually kind of grow your own livestock. Um, you know, being in Texas, one of the yeah. great things you can do. And so yeah, we'll, we'll start with pork. Uh, beef and then probably chickens and then go from there all the exotic stuff like the the elk and venison we're still just ordering from vendors because that's got to be regulated farm but yeah yeah it's so interesting to think about yeah go pick up some kids from texas a&m or something and yep have them come teach you how to do it <laughs> exactly cool um you know as far as like uh, buying any competitors or anything do you do you think maybe that maybe the down the road okay um, and that's so Ainsworth used to be there there was three locations initially with the not even the previous owner not uh but one before that the actual okay. Ainsworth Mr Ainsworth they had three locations uh one in Humble one in Spring and then one up in Magnolia okay so we might do something up in Conroe uh there is a couple of good meat markets there it's just kind of finding the right time yeah or keep an eye on the on those ones, see if uh, they ever want to sell. Right, and you can go in and implement everything that you've you've learned now. Yeah, yeah, because that's one thing I've we, in the process. We've visited a lot of different meat markets to kind of see them. Probably nine out of ten are still using old school cash registers, and so you know they're not tracking inventory. And I'm like, uh, not necessarily the most efficient way to do things. But. Yeah, you would you would think there'd be something with the regulation as well. Um, you know, as far as coming in and checking like how old it is and and all of that, it'd be a lot easier to do it if you had an actual inventory system. I was very surprised in terms of I I thought it'd be a lot more regulatory uh, hurdles to get through. It's a meat market. It's it's a food store after right. all. Because I I've never owned a restaurant, but we had looked into a couple of different things, and there's some some hoops to jump through. Mm-hmm. But as far as uh, what the health inspector is looking for, it's it's pretty just visual in real time, n- no data, historical or anything like that. So it's, it was weird, but it's it's easy. Yeah. Mind you, and it could be because it's just Texas as opposed to other areas of the world, which isn't necessarily a bad thing. But right, yeah, it makes sense. So they're on, they want to be their own country again. So <laughs> yes, <laughs> I support it fully. Yeah, there you go. Don't we all? <laughs> so cool. Okay, well, I always ask two questions at the end. Uh, first one is, uh, have you ever had a mentor or do you have a mentor? Uh, so I, coming up in the industry, in, in the oil and gas industry, I, the company, the, the town that I grew up with was a small town and it was actually a guy from there that started the uh, catalyst services back in the day. Uh, so it became the, the biggest catalyst changeout company in the U S and Canada. Uh, he really took me under his wing and that's why I was able to grow so fast so it kind of coming up, he's been, uh, he, it's Brian Fitzmorris is his name, but been a great mentor. And now that I'm in the States, uh, the guy that I report to has kind of uh, done the same thing. Colin Leslie's taken me kind of under his wing. So it's been, uh, it's been nice. It's it's good to, to surround yourself with people that kind of are where you want to be. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, I've always kind of taken that approach and it's, it's helped me, right? Yeah, it's great that they they're able to kind of help you with that as well. I feel like a lot of people are too worried about themselves and don't want to do that. So that's that's awesome. You've had two people that have helped you. Yeah, and the I, I kind of do the same thing with the guys that work under me. Is if, if you're willing to put in the effort and I can see that you you want to grow, I'm I'm more than happy to spend the time on it. And that's the approach. That that's how they were with me. So that's how I am with my guys. Yeah, it's great. So obviously they were a good example and leads to you being a good example. So it's awesome. 
All right. So final question. Um, you know, you've been successful. You, you know, you had to drop out of school, go back to school, all this stuff. Like what motivates you? What, what keeps you moving? It's just, it's going to sound stupid. Well, not really stupid, but money. I've always been motivated by money, highly motivated by money. It's, it's kind of a weird thing, but at the end of the day, it's, it's really what that money does, right? It mm -hmm. buys you the freedom not to have to worry, take care of the people that you love. Uh, so it's, it's probably a selfish answer money, but that's really what it's been. But it's, it's more, what that money does can do. Uh, so I guess at the end of the day, it's probably family stuff like that, but mm -hmm. ooh, I'm pragmatic in the sense that I know that if I was broke, I wouldn't be able to take care of them like I want to. So yeah, exactly. Well, I mean, Hey, is an honest answer. So I feel like too many people don't give the honest <laughs> answer, but at least you did. So that's great. And it's not a bad thing. I mean, at the end of the day, like you said, it, it gives you the ability to take care of your family. You know, it, obviously we need it. So right. <laughs> we, we live in a capitalist society for better or for worse. Right. Yeah. So it's uh, it's a necessary evil. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, kind of like your transaction, it went quick. Um, it was painless, easy, just like this conversation. So I really appreciate you coming on and oh. hopefully uh, we'll hear about some of your expansion coming up and we'll be able to work on the next transaction. Cool. Well, thanks for having me and I'll definitely keep you posted for sure. All right. Sounds good. Thank you. All right. Thank you. Thank you for listening. We hope you found this podcast informative and helpful. Please don't forget to subscribe on your favorite podcast player. For more information, or if you'd like to discuss a transaction, please go to www.jaredwjohnson.com.